Welcome to Thrive Church Online. We are here to know God, to grow in Him, and go. We hope you feel encouraged and equipped through this week's message. Well, good morning. I hope you can feel the Spirit in this place this morning. And we want you to be able to come and worship here at Thrive honestly, with no pretense, no pomp and circumstance, whatever's in your heart. Because we want you to have a real relationship with Jesus Christ. And if you don't know Him, you're in the right place. Because here at Thrive, there's three things that we hold true to is to know, grow, and go. And ultimately, our vision is to make Jesus famous. And if there's any time that we need to make Jesus famous again, it would be now. I want to challenge you, no matter what storms you have and that you're going through in life, that the anchor will hold, and that's Jesus Christ. Be unafraid. Be courageous in your walk with Christ. Don't worry about the naysayers. Don't worry about the people in this world that think we're a joke. Because the joke is on them if they continue to think that way. And we need to pray for all God's children in this world that they will take the spiritual cataracts off the only that the great physician can do. And we can lovingly direct them to Jesus Christ. Amen? I want to thank uh, Pastor Tracy and... Pastor Adam, for allowing me to speak today. I want to give many props to the ordination team, Liz and JC. It's great to be with them as we are going uh, on a journey here at Thrive and new leadership and uh, becoming ordained ministers. We don't take that for granted. We love you, and that's why we're standing up here. And Pastor Adam and Pastor Tracy are letting us get as many reps as we can today. Now, we're in the Summer of Psalms series, and you might wonder, well, what's a psalm? Other than uh, when you look at it, the Southerners, or, or me, when I was little, would be like, what's a peace psalm? The peace silent, Jay. Oh, okay. Okay. Well, it's like uh, Pastor Tracy alluded to in the opening, that it is a communication with God. Some praise, and there's some pain. But there's a communication openly with God. It's sacred songs and poems using worship. It's for lament, anguish, request, confessions, thanksgiving. Does anything of this sound familiar in your life that you can connect to? This is a record of mankind communicating openly and truthfully with God. There's 150 of them. There's a lot to choose from. And uh, King David wrote most of them. But doing a little homework for you, the Jewish tradition states that the Psalms were composed by Adam, Melzotek, Abraham, Moses, Solomon, Herman, Jedithan, Asaph, and the three sons of Korah. I'm kicking off with Psalm 107. It's a psalm for thanksgiving during the storms or during different troubles. 
And I chose 28 and 30 because it's an awesome parallel to the Gospel of Mark when Jesus was in the boat with His disciples. We serve an awesome God and He is the God of the Old Testament and the New Testament. And when we really lean on the Scriptures, they fit just like a seamless puzzle piece. Today I want to show you that in 107, 28, 30. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble, and He delivered them from their distress. He made the storms be still, and the waves of the sea were hushed. Then they were glad that the waters were quiet, and He brought them to their desired haven. Has anybody ever seen that movie, uh, A Perfect Storm? It's got George Clooney, the Cloonster, and uh, Marky Mark, as I would say, because I'm older. And he was Marky Mark before Mark Wahlberg and all them movies. Gentlemen, I've loved, all the women have just, they're focused on that now. So could you do me a favor after the service? You tell them what I'm going to say after this. So they're still thinking about the old George Clooney and Mark Wahlberg. This is a movie based on a true story of a fishing vessel named the Andrea Gale from Massachusetts. So they went on this fishing boat and they charted out and they were having a great time making money. Because when you're catching fish and fishing is your business, business is good. And they're making tons of money. However, during that, the ice machine breaks. So they don't have enough ice to cover all the fish that they caught. So they're like, what do we do? Do we continue to fish because fishing is good? Or do we head back home? Well, they decide they're going to head back home. And while they're heading back home in that journey, there's a perfect storm brewing in their path. Two storm fronts. Does that sound familiar? Sounds like to me it's a, a good and evil. And it collides to make this superstorm. At near the end of the movie, George Clooney, who's the captain, Mark Wahlberg, he's in it because he's Mark Wahlberg. He could be the first mate, second mate. He played all the roles. And they're up there and they're facing these tremendous waves that are the biggest skyscrapers. And they're throttling up and throttling down and they're going back and forward and the boat flips over with this big, monstrous wave. Never to be seen again. Now, researching this, because this is a true story, the Andrea Gale only had some gas tanks left. They found a, um, some life preservers, a lifeboat. It was uh, unmanned and some flopsam. Now, I've waited, I've said it in the first service, I'm saying it again because that's a fancy word. It's a, that's a $50 word, and that means sea wreckage. So, this week you got to use flopsam in a sentence <laughs> to impress your friends. I want to ask you today what broke down when you faced your storm? Maybe stop praying. Stop reading your Bible. Maybe you stop going to church. 
Maybe you're desensitized by Facebook, social media, the noise that you hear. And we're like all zombies. So when we come to church, we're not really focused on the true King of Kings. We've been told lies upon lies, and that's the narrative of our deceiver. And he's here to kill, steal, and destroy. And that's real. So when you hit that storm, what broke down? Did you try to face it alone? Try to conquer this massive wave that ended you up lost at sea? Today we're going to explore the disciples and Jesus in the boat and see how they reacted and see how Jesus reacted to it. So let's look at Mark chapter 4, 35 through 41. On that day when evening had come, he said to them, let us go across to the other side, he mean, being Jesus. And leaving the crowd, they took him with the boat just as he was, and other boats followed. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves were breaking into the boat. So that boat was already filling. But he was at the stern, asleep, on a cushion. And they woke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? Now, we're going to hold up right there because you know that's not what they said. Because you know they were probably distraught and scared to death they were going to die on that boat. So it was magnified of what I said. And he awoke and he rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm. He said to them, why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? And they were filled with great fear and said to one another, who then is this that even the winds and the sea obey? There's two fears in that gospel account of Mark. One fear of dying, drowning. When I go out, I hope it ain't drowning. I'm just saying, I'm a decent swimmer. I'm not the best. I really don't like boats. I've been out on a couple of head boats, if you know what they are. Whoo, just the smells in itself will make you seasick. Um, and I've always got seasick, even with patches and stuff. So it would take a big cruise ship to get past that. It had to be a big, like a battleship or something for Jay Corbin to get on it. I'm just saying. And then the other one was a reverent fear of, man, this guy's been talking, ministering to folk, and performing miracles. And I mean, <laughs> brother did the, the wine trick and some fish and bread, but this guy just said, be still, and the winds and waves stop. Can you imagine being in that boat, being a disciple, and hearing this and having doubts, you don't think they had doubts like us when we're reading it and going, oh, that's Disney. That ain't, that ain't happening. And then you being there in the count and going, I mean, my heart would have dropped with that reverent fear of Lord Almighty. I'm just saying. So I'm going to give you some context because I'm getting ready to share a couple of personal stories of my family 
Uh, my family was here first service. I want to thank them again for allowing me to share this because I believe if I'm going to stand up here, if I believe that what I wrote is going to help apply to your lives, then I need to share it with you. So in context, um, I was 32 years old. Uh, I was just a road deputy at Guilford County in Jamestown. So it was a 45-minute drive from uh, just to go to work and, and then another 45-minute to get back. Um, I just made deputy of the year and was known to make two or three arrests a day, a shift, getting drugs and guns. That was my thing. Well, March 6, 2008, Madeline Rose Corbett was born, our second child. Emma, my oldest, was four at the time. Now, Emma, whoo, have mercy. Kept us up all night. Had her days and nights confused. I remember her first night she slept on me in a recliner. And I'm going, Lord Jesus, I was really in tune with the Jesus. That's all I could say was Jesus. And maybe some other color adjectives as it may have precluded. And please go to sleep. But Madeline, on the other hand, was a good baby. I mean, she, we put her in a little bassinet. You know, you start off with, a, some of us start off with a bassinet near the bed. And then, you know, your second child, though, or the ones after that, you know, you just leave them in the garage in the car. <laughs> and uh, she slept all the time. Was like, praise God. She's a great baby. Oh, this is a winter, winter chicken dinner. But she stopped eating. And that had us a little concerned. And she had a bad cough, but it wasn't a croupy cough. And we were in the living room, Carrie, my wife, and I, and I had Madeline. And, you know, and I'm, I'm doing the, oh, Jesus, oh, Jesus. And Carrie's reading a book called When Crickets Cry. And in this book, this gentleman has heart issues, and they found it through a cough. And she looked at me and gave me my, you know, she, tell, she calls me my born-given name, which is Jared, and said, Jared, you think Madeline's got a heart issue? And I'm just, I'm in church, so I'm going to tell you the real deal Holyfields. I said, are you smoking crack? A heart issue because you're reading a book? I mean, what doctor wrote that book? And uh, she said, no, I'm serious. I've been noticing that, and mamas know. She said, this cough is not like a croupy cough. Like Emma had a little bit of that. This is a way different cough. So I said, well, let's go to the doctor. We went to the doctor and they found out that she had a heart murmur. And I have some, uh, some family history with heart attacks and everything. And the pediatrician didn't seem too concerned, but said, you know what, let's go to uh, get you an appointment with a cardiologist to check. Said a heart murmur, they'll close up most of the time, it'll be fine. So uh, we went to see a, a cardiologist from UNC, but it was at the Greensboro office, right in the county that I work. I was in full uniform working, and I get there with my wife and my daughter, and he's talking to us about family history, and he, he says, ah, this is probably nothing, but since you're father had a couple of heart attacks, we're going to do a, a ultrasound on your daughter. 
So we get in there, and this ultrasound technician is bubbly. Man, I really love doing kids and doing the, you know, the echoes. And I just, you know, because I don't like the older kids because, you know, they talk. And, uh, and I'm like, okay. And he just is bubbly and talking. He's like, and this is this chamber and this. And then, he, then me and Carrie, and Carrie grabbed my hand as we looked. Now, I'm not a doctor. I'm the police. But when I looked at that, I saw red and blue mixing together. I said, oh, that's a no bueno right there. I said, that, that don't look right. He completely shut down. He wouldn't talk to us. We're like, what's going on? I can't say nothing. Uh, we're going to get you back to the doctor. So they put us back in a, in a room, and the cardiologist comes in, full uniform now. I got a gun. Just saying. He comes in with a picture of a heart. And my heart, my soul, dropped. And he said, uh, unfortunately, your daughter has three holes in her heart. Okay. And she's a month and a half old at the time. I said, all right. I said, we want, she's going to have to have open heart surgery, but we want to make sure she's at least about one or older before she has it. So it's not if, it's when. So we're trying to prepare and the shock of it. I remember meeting up with my sergeant, turning over my gear, and I'm just standing there, and I'm like, I'll be okay to go to work. He said, Jay, do you even register what happened? I was like, I'll be fine. I'm just, I'm just standing there in the parking lot, and I just start crying. I'm just standing there. I hadn't checked off the radio yet. I'm just standing there. And my sergeant's like, you need to go home. So, they told us to go home. They said if she continuously stop eating, you need to call us ASAP. We go home and Madeline stops eating. Won't take anything. We call the cardiologist and said, go to Chapel Hill right now. We've got a room for you in the NICU. We were there for almost a month. Now, once again, I told you, 32, I was a bad mamma jamma, street warrior, after a 12-hour shift, I'd go run 12 miles. I'd go lift weights like I was at the NFL Combine. I'm going to tell you, just like Denzel Washington said in training day, King Kong ain't got nothing on me. Until a night that uh, we were at the NICU, and me and Carrie were swapping on and off, and I would take the weekends. It was about midnight. They had her plugged up to every machine known to man. She had so many IVs, they told us the next one would have to go in her head. And she was crying, and I picked her up, and I got tangled in all the cords, and I, I was having a nervous breakdown, and I, we were right across from the nurse's station, and I just yelled at them, please come in here. They come, and they said, Mr. Corbett, it's going to be okay. Let us have Madeline. I said, I got to go somewhere. And they said, go into that break room. I was on a boat. I was in a storm. Carrie handled it way better than me. I ran away from it. I couldn't handle it. 
literally every day that I was there, I would go for a five or six mile run because I could not handle the stress. I eat stress for a living. We've got a lot of first responders in here. That's all we do is eat stress. Didn't say it was healthy, but that's what we do. And I couldn't handle it. And I, I'm going to tell you, I got in that break room and I broke down. I got on my hands and knees and I was like, Lord, would you please pass this cup over me? I, I know that here lately I've been praying. We go to church on Sundays. I take communion. We tithe. I don't know why this has happened to me. Take this away from me because I cannot have this. And as I'm a literally seasick, like literally green, could have been from the pizza that I inhaled every day because I was stress eating, but I heard a small, still voice like Elijah at the cave. And he said, Jay, be still and know that I am God. And at that moment, I noticed that Jesus Christ was in the boat with me. And I've heard this story many a times this account. It just didn't click because it wasn't personal to me. And I had to change my position from the bow, the front of the boat, to the stern where Jesus was at. He took the blinders off and He said, Jay, you had already decided that Carrie was going to stay at home with this one. You've got countless amounts of sick time and your sheriff's office said, go, don't come back. You live 30 minutes away from Chapel Hill. I was looking in the NICU and there were terminally ill kids there. There were babies there that were laying in the bed that the nurses would come by and turn on cartoons just to have some ambient sound. And then I shifted my focus to going, praise be that Madeline's got open heart surgery. That this is not a terminal case. He said, Jay, I got you. But you're not the only one in a storm. I know this is affecting you and your family, but... There's a lot of people out here in the world that has got it worse off than you. He said, it's going to be tough, buddy, but if you stay with me, I'm going to show you how powerful I am. How great I am. You see, Jesus was in our boat and all we needed to do was focus on Him. See, we ended up shipwrecked because we really didn't truly focus on Jesus. June 18, 2008. That's familiar. That was last Sunday, Father's Day. That was 15th anniversary of what I'm telling you about. The surgeon finally come in because Madeline's lungs were filling up with fluids. The doctors were going back and forth to when to have this surgery. And after a month, she was three months old. After a month been at Chapel Hill, the surgeon stepped in and said, we're done. She's filling up with fluids. She's not going to make it if we don't have the surgery now. A seven-hour surgery. And that time period, Carrie and I held on to the anchor. 
I'm talking I had barnacles and rust on me. I was holding on tight. Her operation was a success. And this storm was finally over. However, she did have a couple of more surgeries. After that. But we survived it. Because the anchor holds. And I want to encourage you that when you go through these storms in life, have been, are going through a storm or will be, but the anchor still holds. We just got through another big storm in our life. June the 5th of this month, my oldest daughter, Emma, had her third hip surgery. See, she had two hip surgeries her freshman and sophomore year at Southern Alamance and then got diagnosed with a rare autoimmune disease. She just finished her first year at Elon. And soon as she got out and celebrating, President's List, straight A's, she's, she's her uh, mother's child. <laughs> and she's like, Daddy, I got to have this other surgery but the anchor still holds. This go around last 15 years. This is not a sympathy plea. This is to maybe tear so many spiritual cataracts off of us so you'll know this. In 15 years, this is all we've dealt with. Chapel Hill and Duke. The medical bills. The strain on the marriage. Being a first responder. Add all that to the mix. But the anchor still holds. Me and Carrie celebrated our 24th wedding anniversary in May. I'm 26 years into my law enforcement career. Got shy of three years left and I can retire. God's given me a purpose to stand up here and be part of Thrive and ministry. to Become a pastor. He has a calling in your life. He has a purpose in your life. And that's why I'm standing here being vulnerable to let you know. Your story is your story. And it's not to compare my story, but your story, if you are brave enough and courageous enough, can help so many people in the dark that don't know the light of Jesus Christ. So my question is, is when you faced the storms, did you call on Jesus? Or were you like the two actors who portrayed in that real story just throttled up and tried to do it yourself? Did it leave you shipwrecked on a deserted island? Or did you trust in Jesus? And you had holes in the boat. Sometimes you felt like that boat was going the opposite way against the grain, against the current, and it was just tearing the planks off your boat. But you still made the destination. See, Jesus was sleeping in a storm and it wasn't because He didn't care. He created the storm. He created everything. The heavens and earth, the universe, He created it all. So he, that's why He was resting on a pillow. He's like, this, this, ain't, this is easy. Easy peasy. This is nothing. Lemon squeezy. I'm resting. 
he was resting so hard like yesterday after I got finished morning, took a shower, I was laying on the couch, and I woke up and my, my, left, whoop, my left cheek was tied, was like stuck to the couch. That was some good sleeping. You know, you're like, <laughs> praise Jesus. I was praying, Lord, before I went to, <laughs> went to sleep. He hears our cries because He's in the boat. The location of Jesus. And I did real good preparing for this because I'm not a nautical man. I like more of my feet on the ocean and the fishing on the surf, not on a boat. I get seasick a lot. And uh, so I know the bow's the front, the stern's the rear, the port's the left side, and the right side is starboard. Jesus is in the stern with the anchor because He is the anchor. Notice me that when we're close to Him, He's the first one we call on. But when we're away from Him, we're asking Google, Facebook, phone a friend. And we wonder why we get nowhere. We're in traction. We get nowhere in these storms. We wonder why these storms keep happening. Because storms are going to happen, but we wonder why the waters are still rough. Then it lightning and tornadoes and hurricanes. It just gets bigger and bigger and bigger. Because Jesus is on a boat and going, are you going to come to me? Come to me and find your rest. I will lay you beside still waters. See, what awoke Jesus was disciples. He didn't wake up because of the storm. Storm was no problem. He only awoke because He was concerned for His sheep, for His people. See, they falsely assumed that Jesus didn't care because He was sleeping on that pillow. Like me when I cried out into, in the break room. Because I wasn't close to Him and I was in panic mode. But in Mark 4.39, it shows, as long and with the correlation of Psalm 107, Jesus spoke to the storm and said, peace be still. And there's a great significance in this command. It's be still and stay still. I can imagine he'd been like Matthew McConaughey. He got out and he's like, all right, all right, all right. Be still. As he comes out of his Lincoln Continental. <laughs> but it's like, hey guys, stop. It's going to be fine. Trust me. Quit focusing on this, what we do, the world. Turn around and focus on me. Hey, if you asked, I've got 12 other pillars in the back with me. Won't y'all sit down and take a nap with me? It's going to be fine. Since I like movies, I'm going to tell you about another one. It's Forrest Gump. Reminds me of the be still, stay still. So Forrest and Lieutenant Dan are on the ship and they're, they're fishing and all and then they get into a hurricane and Lieutenant Dad's ma Dan is mad with God because he ain't got no legs. And he's on the mast and he's angry because every person in his family died in war. He wanted to die in Vietnam. And if you remember, as the hurricane's raging, he's like, you can't sink. 
this boat. Well, morning comes. You know, and Forrest is okay. Like, and uh, all the ships around are, are wrecked. There's debris everywhere. Then you see a picture of Lieutenant Dan swimming at the end. He goes, and then Forrest was like, well, I guess he found his peace with God. Why don't we do that more often? To trust in God and to find that peace, to let go and let God. I struggle with that since I'm a strong personality and I have a lot of authority and Lord has had to humble me so much just let go and have peace. It's something that with Emma, not with Madeline, that Lord's had to work on me, people. I'm not 32 anymore. I'm 47. And we've had some storms, but it's gotten us closer as a family. It's given me this testimony to stand uh, in front of you to help people in the dark. I don't make any apologies for it. We got a roof over our head and we got way more food in the cupboard. Just like everybody else, we throw away more food and do any, anything. God has protected us. So I'm going to ask you, what are you angry about? Are you going to let the storms consume you? Or are you going to let it go? Take the grip off the mass of the ship. Don't have faith in this ship. Let it go. Turn to Jesus and hold tightly on Him. Amen? So I'm going to recap a little bit because I want you to be able to apply this today. Jesus is in the boat. Don't lose focus. Jesus is our anchor. He is resting, but He's aware and conscious of everybody's storm at once. And His anchor is strong enough to hold not only everyone in this room's storms and hold us, everybody in the world. Jesus spoke, be still, stay still. He said, peace, be still. Jesus wasn't talking just to the winds and waves. I think He was talking more to the disciples. Chill out. I've got this. You be still. You have peace. I am peace. Turn to me. And I will cloak you in peace and love and grace and mercy. You are a blessing. You are a child of the utmost high. Am I going to give you a brood of snakes? No, sir. Get to Jesus. See, we're either going to be three things. We're going to be preparing for a storm, in a storm, or coming out of the storm. But like a physical storm, when we come out of the storm, the sun shines. In your storms of life, the sun, S-O-N, Jesus Christ, shines bright. And His rays of warmth and love will warm us up. He can handle any storm. Now, in summary, 
as you can see from the Psalms 107 through the Gospel of Mark, God has been saving His people from the Old Testament to the New Testament. Don't let the world fool you. We serve the same God. He is the Word. Only people of my age or generation is going to know what I'm talking about when I say Word up. He was in the beginning. He was the Word. He is the Word. One oh seven in Mark's gospel, so seamless and it just so ironic they fit together. And it gives me hope in these scriptures that we serve such a love in God that loves us so much. He sent his son for you and me. He can withstand any storm. And we can too. Because we're more than conquerors through Christ Jesus. Through Christ Jesus, we can do all things. Through Christ Jesus, we can stop the enemy. Through Christ Jesus, do you understand what I'm saying? It has to be through Jesus Christ. God is the captain of our boat. and Jesus is our anchor. Pray with me. Lord, thank You for always being with us and ready to anchor us in when we face the storms in life. All we need to do is call upon Your name. We have faith in the Scriptures when we do that You answer and You calm the winds and waves. Let this message serve as an example that greater is He that is in me than He who is in the world. Thank You for being such a good Father. Thank You for blessing us with all these people in this service today here at Thrive Church. We feel the Spirit moving. We're growing, Lord, and we're so thankful and grateful. All of us didn't have to come today. We chose to come today to worship You, Lord. With your head still bowed and no one looking around, I want to give everybody the opportunity here in-house and online who wants to know Jesus Christ and have a personal relationship with Him. If that is you today, if you'd raise your hand. Thank you. If you want to rededicate your life to Jesus Christ and know the anchor still holds, raise your hand. Thank you. And nothing that we do here is alone here at Thrive. We do it all together. So pray with me. Lord Jesus, I recognize I'm a sinner. Forgive me of my sins. I choose today to live my life for You and with You all the days of my life. Amen. Thank you for being part of our Thrive Tribe. If you want to partner with this ministry and what the Lord is doing here at Thrive, visit thrivechurchonline.com and click on the Give tab. Help us reach more people just like you by rating and subscribing to this podcast. You don't want to miss what's coming next.